Well, hey, howdy, hey. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Sexton's Take. take. <laughs> I was about to say second take. Second take. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. Uh, welcome to the Texas second take. Uh, so I had uh, I had the the children's crumb snatchers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they they came. Uh, my uh, my manager Stewart, that's what he calls them. Whenever there's like extra food or something left over that we don't use in the conference room, he's like, "You want to take it to the crumb snatchers?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take it up." Anyway, the crumb snatchers have. Uh, somehow they broke into my office, uh, probably because the door was unlocked and they wandered in. But they decided to turn the echo up on our podcast mic. And guess who didn't realize it until halfway through the podcast? I can't even see the, the knob on this. Thing. I know because I put it where I could directly see it. And after I had noticed a pen on the floor, and uh, and I was like, well, I didn't put that there. And I put it back up, and then like. Literally the next section, I'm looking directly at the echo knob, which is turned all the way up, yeah. and boom, yeah. <laughs> on the boom. <laughs> on the boom. So yeah, so we'll go ahead and re-intro for a synopsis. Yep. Uh, what was my synopsis? See. Well, uh, we were talking about whiskey. So tell us what you got. So normally, I have Jim Beam as what I call a table whiskey. Yeah. When and we say table whiskey, we mean basically just like, you know. It's drinkable. It's whiskey. It's drinkable. It's not amazing. It's uh, keep just as good a mixer, you know. Yeah, I keep single malt for occasions, but I don't like to just drink that regularly. Because let's be, let's be honest, single malt is not cheap. Yeah. And it's something that I like to enjoy with friends. Yeah. Something that is much more enjoyable with friends. Than, Absolutely. It's not something you drink by yourself. No. So I have that in decanters and sitting in the liquor cabinet, but I don't drink it. I normally have Jim Beam on hand. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is probably the the best table wine or table wine, table whiskey out there, you know, to just have yeah. on hand because it's not so awful that you can't drink it, and it's, but it's not the most amazing thing you've ever drank either. Yeah. But they were out of that at the liquor store when I ran by, so I picked up and never heard of it before, never seen it before. I'm sure it's it's apparently been out since 1855. I probably just never looked for anything except what I was looking for, and they were out. So. Yeah. And I was trying to find something that I thought might be, you know, and I do a lot of label searching. Yeah. Good label, probably good product. This is called Henry McKenna. It's a, uh, a straight bourbon whiskey, sour mash. It is decent. It's That's that's it, at that. Um, it reminds me of my grandfather's favorite whiskey, which I will never drink again. We drank it after his funeral, and all of us guys swore that was the last of it. Uh, for two reasons. Memory of my grandfather, because yeah. um, he wasn't there to enjoy it with us ever again. And it wasn't good whiskey, y'all. Like, my grandfather would mix it with water. It, ah. Weller and water. That's what he had every well evening. Water. Well water. He had, he had a <laughs> glass of Weller and water. He usually had two glasses every evening. That's it. And they were glasses like this, half full. He'd mix a little water in there. He'd sit on the back porch and watch the hummingbirds. That was it. Yeah. When I smelt this, that was immediately what came to mind. I was like, oh, my gosh. I hope it doesn't taste like it smells. It does. It does. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. But that is a good preface opening slash teaser to next our next week's, week's 
podcast. So uh, this is our teaser. This is a advertisement, uh, whatever you want to call it. Catch him. Uh, so next week we're going to be talking about alcohol in the Bible, wine in the Bible, how you know alcohol is used, how Jesus uh, made it, how oh, Jesus sorry. made it, uh, <laughs> how did recipe, he make it, what the recipe was, uh, <laughs> uh, and how we as Christians should behave with alcohol. Because I'll be perfectly honest, not every Christian out there should behave with alcohol. Because they can't handle it. Well, that they shouldn't indulge. They shouldn't indulge. Because yeah. they can't handle it. They can't handle it. And they won't behave. Yeah, when they won't behave. That's where I was going. Yeah, you yeah. said that kind of backwards, but I yeah. Did. I was trying to rip off the last statement that I made, but it didn't work. But yeah, they uh and, and that's okay. I mean everybody it's not for everyone. It's one of those things that it should be handled with responsibility. You know, it, it should, should be handled and the Bible talks about that. And the Bible says many good things about alcohol and its uses. I think it says even more than that, um, not to be a drunkard. Right. I, I mean, you know, probably the person that comes to mind the most as being quote unquote a drunkard, scolded for it, and came back. And I don't ever know a time after quote unquote it was said about him, but Noah was yeah. a drunkard. And it never says that he ever drank again, according to the Bible either. Yeah. It's one of those things that he was a drunkard, then God called him, and that was the end of it. Dude, did he ever drink again? I don't know, but obviously he's a good example of don't do this. Yeah. So um, anyway, we don't want to say too much or steal the fire. No, no, podcast, not. But that's what we'll be talking about. And so anyway, we're enjoying a, a cigar and a little of this uh, well water. I mean, uh, <laughs> McKenna. McKenna. Henry McKenna, Kentucky bourbon. Is that Kentucky? No, it just said bourbon whiskey. Straight bourbon whiskey, but from, from what I have been told, and this has never been confirmed, basically because I haven't done the research, but I have been told that it cannot be called bourbon outside of Bourbon County, Kentucky. Really? That's what I've been told, because that's where Elijah Craig started bourbon, huh. was in Bourbon County, Kentucky. So as soon as it leaves the county, it becomes... Straight whiskey. Tennessee whiskey. Which is Jim Beam, is Tennessee whiskey. It says bourbon on the label. It does, but this is not from Tennessee. It strictly says Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. So bourbon made in that bourbon, Tennessee. It's called bourbon. It's a. It's specifically to that county. I, I've never looked it up, but every time I see it, it specifies Kentucky. Yeah. Even on Elijah Craig, it says Kentucky's best bourbon whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so... But that's where Elijah Craig was from. Oddly enough, not to, but I think he was a Baptist minister. <laughs> not even joking. I think he was. What kind of minister? But we'll talk more about that on Tuesday, and we'll be right back diving in deep. All right, we are back. All Take right. two. So we're talking about John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, um, want to give us a little, just a little synopsis on John the Baptist? Well, the most, uh, the most well-known thing that he's known for is da, 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 baptizing Jesus. Baptizing Jesus. Also, many people's connection with him in the likeness of Elijah. Elijah. 
who we just got done talking about. So this is like a great jump in to, you know, not only who was Elijah, because we know who Elijah was, but it's like, who was John the Baptist? Since people refer to him as being the likeness of Elijah. Right. Why? Who was he? That's what we're going to cover today. So, to that effect, let's look in Luke 1. Luke <laughs> 1. So, John's birth announced to Zacharias. Zacharias. Zacharias? Z that was very Zacharias of you? Zacharias. Zacharias. Anyway. When I first read it earlier today, I said Zacharias. And Brave was kind of like, said the what now? <laughs> Which... I was just kind of joking around. Who done did what? Zacharias. On top of that, a lot of these biblical names, I just know what the name is. And so I'll just like, my, my eyes see it and I'm not spelling each letter out, you know? And so I'll just see a name and know what it is. And I'll just say it. But if I'm actually reading the name out and it's like, Zacharias. Oh, that's Zacharias. <laughs> anyway. Um, so. John's birth announced to Zacharias. Ladies and gentlemen, we come to you with the Duck Commander Faith, the Faith and Family Bible, New King James Version. Don't know what version you're reading today, but uh, we're reading New King James Version. ESV is really good. KJV is really good. There's other good translations out there, uh, but this is a good. This is the one we're using. <clears throat> so, there was, in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. Now, the same Herod, the same Jesus Herod. The same Jesus Herod. That's right. The Herod that decided They to, give you the timeline for a yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the reason that... Well, he went around saying, Yeah, hey, get old babies that are two and under, because we've got to get rid of this potential overthrower of my throne. <laughs> so anyway... His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. The daughters of Aaron, as in Aaron the Aaron? Aaron the Aaron, yes. Daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Yeah. Didn't this happen once before? Yeah. Where do you remember it happening? Well, not with Rebecca. Not with Rebecca? What? <laughs> well, then who? Uh, maybe Sarah? Sarah who? Remember her? My sister. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, name is Sarah. No. No. No, I was just, that's you what Abraham sure? always said about oh, his wife. I see what you did there. <laughs> this is my sister. Well done, sir. Well done. Yes, your yes. sister. Uh -huh. Which, mind you, that's not the first time that we heard that. It I is mean, the first time. I mean, no, it is the first time, but like. Not the last. Which, not the last. So we hear that several times from descendants of Abraham. Anyway. Like, and to the same people. Yeah. That was, so, oh, it's so sad. Yeah, so Sarah, the wife of Abraham, was barren also. Advanced in years. Advanced in years. 90s. Yeah. Can you imagine? Wait a minute. What if I said advanced in timing? 
Wouldn't, we had a little car joke there. Wouldn't that mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> I see what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't where I was going. My brain hurts. As soon as I heard advancing years, I was thinking, advancing timing. Wait a minute. That almost works. Not quite. Anyway. It only means that she's much younger when she had a baby. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but. Same deal. God came to Abraham and said, hey, dude. I know you're old and your wife's really old, but you guys are going to go have a kid. And Abraham was like, yo, God, that's kind of funny. Ha ha. Don't make me laugh. God was like, oh, you think that's funny, do you? Well, you can have a kid anyway. So there. And Sarah had a kid. In her old age. I think, I think Abraham was 90, wasn't he? Wasn't Abraham 90? Yes. So... Anyway, Abraham was 90 when he had a kid. I don't think that Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth, were that old. I suppose they could have been. I just kind of don't think so. It just says advancing years. It doesn't say how old they were. But besides I doubt fact, it, considering... Besides the fact, she was barren, so it didn't matter how old she was. She wasn't going to have any kids. But... <clears throat> Without interventions of God. Here we go. And they were both righteous before God, rocking the commandments of the ordinance of the blameless, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God, he ordered his division. According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Natural reaction. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Ooh. Now, I will say this, so... It's not, there's been a couple of times when God sent an angel to go tell somebody that they were going to have a kid. He came to Abraham. He came to Joseph. Now, oh, now did God to come Mary. to Abraham directly? Uh, I didn't say directly. No, that's what, that's why I'm asking. Oh. Did he come, or was it an angel of the Lord? Well, it doesn't, I don't know if it really matters. Maybe it does. Because I was talking about what, what I said earlier that we missed was the, you know, the Billy Graham book yeah. that I do love so much. And we'll have a podcast on that because I just think it's really great. Uh -huh. Different types of angels in the Bible. And the only angel you ever see actually going to people that's named is Gabriel. Like with Daniel... Oh, I see what you're saying. So did it, did it, was it specifically oh, God came to yeah. Abraham and said, hey, you will have a son? Or did it say an angel of the Lord? Because that's something right, we're going to get to right. on a later podcast of the angel of the Lord. Who is he? What is his job? Yeah. Now you do see it. Informer mm -hmm. or messenger. Messenger for the Lord. Now the only messenger angel. Messenger and, and, and like I said, Billy Graham does a good job with this book. It's called Angels, Angels, Angels. It is a really great book. It's probably his best work. Um, because I, I read it and I was like, 
you read it and it's not your typical Billy Graham. This is a deep dive with a real, it's like, it's an easy read, but it's a deep dive. The book is a half an inch thick, but it is a deep dive into what angels are. And the only one you ever realize, or he names as being a messenger angel, which I've always wondered, is that also the same he uses for messenger of the Lord? Because you only see it really in the Old Testament. You only see it once with Daniel, and it doesn't. He's an unnamed angel, but all throughout the New Testament, it's Gabriel. Right? Is that the same one? Most people and theologians assume yes. Yes. And Gabriel is the one giving the messages straight from God to people, right. not interacting with directly with God. Now, here's the thing that separates New Testament from Old Testament, and this is why I think there's a difference. And I'm, you know, we'll cover a lot of this in the next, the next podcast, or not the next one, but when we actually do Angels of the Lord. But it fits here to go ahead and touch on it. Is the Old Testament didn't have Jesus? Yeah. Well. It did, but not in the sense that we know it. Right. So when you see, you know, the New Testament refers, every time the angel of the Lord, I think it's referred to in the New Testament, it's given to Gabriel. Gabriel came to said person. Gabriel came to said person. Gabriel came. But in the Old Testament, it's angel of the Lord. Right. And I think there's a difference because of uh, transcripts. I think mostly because obviously the oldest books are what we would say in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Where most of the New Testament is, I think we would say Greek. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably a different translation here to where a name can actually be given where it wasn't previously. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, interesting to note that Gabriel may have, and I think, it, does it name Gabriel it here? Is. Yeah. Eventually. I'll let you continue. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, want to steal your flame. I was Jesus just, was good indeed point. in the Old Testament and mentioned a couple times, but. As the sun, but he wasn't living him. We don't see as him a come human. down to earth, right? And walk among us until the New Testament, right? Anyway, the Trinity's always I there. I will continue. But, 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 but the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John." Again, very soon after this. The same angel comes to Mary and Joseph, and what does he say? Hey, you're going to have a son. His name will be Jesus. So it's very interesting because they told them the name to name him. His name is Jesus. And they tell Zachariah, Zacharias and his wife, Hey, your son's name is John. God named the child. Interesting. Now, what is the meaning of John? Do we have a... Uh, that's a good question. Why don't you look that to up? To the Google! While I'm reading. And mm. you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will, even from his mother's womb, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. We just talked about Elijah last podcast, right? Well, ah, we've been talking about Elijah for the last couple of podcasts, a bunch of them. But they have the same job to turn the hearts and 
uh, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, what, we, what did you find? I know, I'm so excited. I was like about to jump in. I was I like, oh, wait. That. I noticed that. So cool. I did not know this till just now. I'm just saying. You're today years old. When you I am today out. years old when I found this out, y'all. Okay. What I want you to do is I want you to go back a little bit. We're going to talk about Elijah. Mm -hmm. Because we talked about it in take one, but not now. So we need to line this up. Mm -hmm. Elijah. We talked about in the previous podcast. There's really not a sin that we can find. And he, right. And he yeah. had a massive amounts of grace as according to God. Absolutely. Okay. And then he passed his, you know, his mantle. I love that word. Every time I throw a robe on, I'm going to be like, this is my mantle. <laughs> Don't touch my mantle. This is mine. My mantle. <laughs> my mantle is only on me until I give it to my born. Whichever one that is. Whichever one that earns it. <laughs> to be so get, bad. First you need to get a mantle. I mean, I might get one now. Like it's, I mean, I'm all into this mantle thing. Absolutely. Anyway. But he had the grace by God, right? Yes. He was given grace in measures that was really not known to many of the prophets even at this time. What did Elisha ask for? Well, I think that the word that you were talking about earlier, you, you said grace, but I think you mean spirit. Spirit, but... No, Elijah no, no. Asked for a double yes, portion. yes, yes, but no. Yes, and I'm yes and no. Okay. Elijah had the grace of God far before we understand that as a thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had massive amounts of grace by God mm -hmm. to go out and do his works, right? Yeah. So he asked, you know, Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. Now, with that comes what? Still the grace from God, right? Yeah. It's kind of a two part harmony. Yeah. Right? Well, this is very interesting. John is actually de derived from the Hebrew word. It's not actually John. It's Johanan. Johanan. Or Johanan. Johanan. Meaning graced by God. Graced by God. Interesting. Now that, Interesting. if you take all of what I just said into one chunk, it makes another amount of sense why people connected John to Elijah. Right. It does. Because they knew the grace of God was heavy with Elijah as he passed his mantle, which that's what Elijah was known for. And I think that's another part of why John the Baptist was referred to as, ah, 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 you're a form of Elijah, you know, because he right, had, right. he was known for having the wool mantle, exactly. the whole shindig. But right here from the beginning, you have his name, just like Jesus's name, is a description of who he's going to be. But you only see that when God names this child like that. His name is John. Yeah. Wow. That is so powerful, y'all. Y'all don't even yeah. know. Like, this is mega powerful for me who has never known this. I've never, it never even dawned on me to look up the name meaning until now. I was yeah. like, wait. Because. God specifically gave Jesus a name for named reason, said reason. Right. He had a purpose. That was his name was his purpose. He wanted his people to know what his name meant. Yeah. So he gave him this name. If God is giving John a name, what does John's name mean? 
I'm big on meanings of names. Yeah, I've yeah. always been this way. Like when we named Lila, oh, Lila was going to originally be Aurora mm-hmm. because she was born at sunrise. Okay. Until the moment where she actually came out of the womb because she had a head full of dark hair. And Lila means dark haired beauty. Dark haired beauty. And she took my, we gave her my great grandmother's middle name, which was Aletha, Mm -hmm. which means nimble one, Mm -hmm. walks with people. Right. This is, you know, so I'm very big on name meanings anyway, but when you see something like this, I'm like, man, I've never looked up John. Why? It seems like this verse right here seems like a slap in the face here. Like you should have looked it up. I will, I digress. I'm just kind of excited because that's so. It's so pivotal to everything that happens from this verse going forward. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. So, Zacharias is doubting. Angel of the Lord, Gabriel. Not uncommon to man. No, we no, all no, do no, it. No, 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 no. So this is all. Read this next little bit here, and then we'll take a break. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be filled, fulfilled in their own time. So, hey, Zacharias, I'm an angel, right? <laughs> How cool is this? I'm over here telling you that your wife is going to have a kid, okay? Uh, like, are you going to doubt me? Furthermore, furthermore, let's take further insult now that we know new information. Yeah. He just told you that your child's name was graced by God. Uh-huh. And you literally insulted God by saying, ha, that's cute. How do I know? Say another joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. And so oh, the other one. The punishment here is so fitting because now when she does have a baby, it's like, Right, right. When you know that's so momental, such a momental occasion, because of his name alone. I'm sorry. Now I'm getting all worked up. This is pretty insane, y'all. It is. And the people waited for Zacharias, and they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed... And sign language was invented. No. Yeah. Uh, that he departed to his own house, and after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So, here we have Angel of the Lord, Gabriel specifically, comes mm-hmm. down... Tell Zacharias, yo, you won't have a baby. Zacharias is like, ha! That'd be kind of funny to see. That's adorable. Barren. Tell and me another one. Zachari- and uh, Gabriel's like, wow. All right, well. doubting God. That's cool. If that's All the right, position well, you want to take. If you want a sign that this will be the case, then boom, you mute. Here's your tongue tied. You can't say nothing. And, you know, every second that you can't say anything, you'll become more of a believer. Remembering 
the fact that this will happen. So, anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We'll continue on. Nope. Yep, now we're back. Now we're There back. was like a delayed effect. Like So, oh. just after this, uh, Christ's birth is announced to Mary. Now, the Bible is all about Jesus. It is. But today we're talking about one of his servants, uh, John the Baptist. So, we're going to skip over this. This is another one of those um, um, Christmas stories, which is not, should never be only read around Christmas, but... Uh, we're we're going to skip over it today, uh, but Jesus is born, announced to Mary. Interesting note, Mary and Elizabeth are related. Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. Is that the first time it's mentioned in the Bible that's the case? Might be, might be. So, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias. And greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, now we already know that the babe from birth, no, from before birth, what does it say here? Ah! He will also be filled, this is speaking of John the Baptist, with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And what does it say here? That the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's as soon as Jesus came into the room. Jesus being the child born of Mary. Mary came in, Jesus in womb. Elizabeth was there, John already in womb, and John leaps in the womb at his cousin Jesus, God, who... He's John's whole purpose in life is to pave the way for this baby, his cousin, in this other womb over here. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He leaps in his mother's womb. Why not? Yeah. He's, he's like, this is my whole point of existence. This is my God here. In the room with me. In Mary's room. <laughs> not, not born yet. Um, that's awesome. It is awesome. It's a really, it's really powerful. Like, wow, just thinking about that. It's incredible. But this is John leaping in the womb when Jesus, his God, comes into the room. Then she, Elizabeth, I believe, spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. After that, there's the song of Mary. Mary sings, and my, soul is magnified, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And it goes on from there. Let's see, let's see, let's see. <clears throat> okay, the birth of John the Baptist. Now, Elizabeth's full time came for her to be divorced, uh, to be delivered. Divorced. I almost said divorced. For her to be <laughs> delivered. That's hurtful. Yeah, and she brought forth a son. 
When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had, grown, had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Okay, shortly after that, uh, it was the eighth day when they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. So this is interesting because we know that Gabriel came to Zacharias and said, Yo, bro, your wife is going to have a kid, and his by name the way, will be his name will John. Be John. We don't see, maybe I missed it somewhere, maybe I missed no, it. That's very weird. She doesn't know. Exactly. We don't see that Gabriel told Elizabeth anything. Now, maybe he did and it just doesn't record it here. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, as a reader, reading the Bible, we don't know that Elizabeth knows the name of this child. Only Zacharias. And he was muted. The angel told him, hey, man, you're muted because you doubted, you know. And so you ain't going to be able to speak until your kid comes. So sorry, bro. And, so and I guess it are, could be assumed that he, he wrote could, it down. He could never have, I mean, he could never have actually told Elizabeth. I suppose he could have written it down. Actually, maybe that's probably what it is. That's a simple answer. <laughs> he probably just wrote it down. But we don't know. Anyway, his mother said his, he would normally have taken the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, no, 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 no. He shall be called John. But they said to her, this is, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father. What would he... Uh, what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his yeah. mouth went open and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt uh, around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their heart saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Wow. So, very shortly after that, we see uh, Zacharias' prophecy. And it's interesting, in his prophecy, he talks about his son, John, and what he's going to do. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And he spoke by the mouth of many prophets. Let's go a little bit further. Okay, so he's basically telling that we're going to be redeemed through Jesus. And you, child. So in verse 76, so he's going down here prophesying, you know, about the way we will be saved through Jesus. And then he stops talking about that. And is talking to this baby, John, that was just born, and says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Just like it said earlier, and let's see, 
and he will turn many of the children is uh, uh, oh here we go and he will go before him before god in the spirit and power of elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children bah, 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 and make ready a people prepared for the lord so he's saying exactly what his son will be doing for you will go before the face of the lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the, the tender mercy of our god with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to israel so that's john the baptist's birth and his father and you know his father is sitting here prophesying his father was a prophet and he was prophesying about Jesus coming to earth. And his son, John, is going to be a prophet of the Most High and prepare the way of the Lord. Wow, how cool is that? And so after this, we see Christ is born of Mary, circumcision of Jesus, Jesus presented to the temple, and on and on and on. And let's see. So the next, uh, Luke 3, John the Baptist prepares the way. John preaches to the people. John baptizes Jesus. So I'm not going to read everything through here, but let's read this part here. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed... The heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. The voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. And I think maybe Matthew gives a more detailed, uh, you know, account of Jesus's, Jesus's baptism. Maybe we can find that here. Let's go back a little bit. Oh no, that's too far ahead. Way too far ahead. Let's see. Oh, here we go. John the Baptist prepares the way. Ah. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John and the at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it. To be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God depending like a, uh, descending like a dove, alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so what we have here is... Jesus being baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And before he is baptized, Jesus preaches to the people. Uh, in fact, it's really cool to see because Jesus is known far and wide and is actually literally infamous for doing what? For calling out the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, you know, all those false prophets. False prophets. 
Jesus calls them out. Well, the fire of the Holy Spirit is in John 2, and John does the same thing. Then he said to the multitudes that came to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who wants you one of my favorite from lines. the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so that goes people, back to what Bill says about, yeah. you know, going and finding actual fruit in Christians. John's doing it right there. Mm -hmm. Go out and give me fruit. And it's funny. Does he say apple trees? No, he doesn't. I don't know why my mind immediately went apple trees. I think it's because that's what Bill always references. Mm -hmm. As, you know, if you, if a Christian says they're a, a believer, you know, you have to find the fruit there because that's what we are called to be. Right. You know, and at the end of the day, if you go and find someone who is, quote unquote, claims to be a Christian and there's no fruit there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing as going, you know, through an apple orchard. Someone tells you, all these trees are apple trees. Right. You know, you don't know any different. You've never seen an apple tree or in your life. Yeah. The only thing you have to say that they're apple trees is there's apples. Exactly. There's apples on them. And so when you walk through this apple orchard and you see a tree that doesn't have apples, you're led to what two conclusions? Well, if it has no apples, it's either a very sick apple tree. Right. Or it's not an apple tree. Or it's not an apple tree. <laughs> right. So in that case, it doesn't belong in the apple orchard. Now, that is not to say that there aren't, you know, and, and Bill references this, there's not trees that don't produce late. Obviously, there are Christians that come to Christ later in their life. But... If you claim to be a Christian, there shall be fruits to show exactly that. Now, I'm not saying, you know, go give all your wealth to the nearest neighbor. Right. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I'm saying if you are a Christian, there will be fruits showing that you are a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It won't be someone where when you say, I'm a Christian, and people go, huh. I wouldn't have known. Are you really, though? Like that? And you see, know, that's... And I find that... You know, it happens sadly more often than not. It does. And what's wonderful is I had just talked to a co-worker, and he's a great guy. I really like this guy. He's cool. He's really cool. Are you going to divulge which co-worker? Huh? <laughs> what? I said, are you going to divulge which co-worker? I mean, I've got lots of co-workers. I know. But, uh, his name is Michael. Okay. And he's an electrical engineer just like me. Y'all so are speaking the same language. Yeah, we speak the same lingo. But uh, he's, a, he's a really neat guy, and I enjoy talking to him. And I just always just had this good feeling about him, you know? Just like, man, you're a really swell guy. I like him. He's not always cussing about things. He, every, he, he's got this upbeat spirit. He really does. Which I'm not saying that. Nobody there does, but 
you know, I just really, I don't know. There's something about You him spend more time like, around him, you notice it. Yeah, it's just like, you know, he's got a good spirit. I like his spirit. And today, um, very sadly, I, actually, was it today or was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday, actually. One of my uh, other co-workers, I heard that her nephew shot himself. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Um, oh. And so I was talking to Michael, and he had a project that I'm working on, too. We're both working on a project together that we're trying to get moved along, and this co-worker whose nephew shot himself was one of the ones working on this. And so we're like, oh, man, you know, that's going to be distracting for her, obviously. And so anyway, we, we, we talked a little bit about that. And he just came in. He just sits down with me. And he just starts talking. He just starts talking and talking. And he says, now, I'm not a man that you will see in church every Sunday. But I am a Christian. And I love Jesus. And, you know, he was talking about. Man, that speaks volumes. It does. It and really you want to know what I, about those people? I'll let you finish here. Just one second. Mm -hmm. But there are, and I'm talking not just one, not just two multiple amounts of people I have met who I believe to be apps. They show the fruits. They're absolutely amazing okay. people and they show themselves to be Christians. And when they tell me they are, I'm like, I didn't have to question it. I kind of already assumed just by who you are, exactly. that that's who you are. And they always lead with that. And there's, there's a stigma and it's around the popular Christian culture. Yeah, it is. We're going to take a break right there and we'll be right back. So we are back, but continue, uh, continue your story. You were talking about Michael. Well, anyway, I mean, good name, by the way. Yeah, he was <laughs> Archangel giving, and all. <laughs> he was giving me some just really wonderful, you know, experiences. First thing he said was, you know, possibly a little bit harsh, but very true. He said, that's an incredibly selfish thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, I told him, you know, I, I think the guy that shot himself was about 17 or 18. He's like, oh, man, that time in your life, he said, I've never really had suicidal thoughts. But if I ever had them, it would have been at that time in my life. Because it's just a lot of stuff that you're working through. And you're just unsure about this and that and the other. And there's so many things where you just feel like. You just feel like you have to make every decision in the world in two minutes. And if you can't, then it's like your whole world falls apart. And then you could be, you know, you know, you just feel absolutely worthless. Yeah. And the rest of your life, however long or short it is, might be determined by a, a two-minute decision that you make to end your life. And see, that's why that's why it's important. And and I I I speak of this as someone who has had issues with this. My sister does. Yeah. But that's why, you know, recognizing depression in people. I was just going to say, because Michael went on about that. Recognizing it is so pivotal. So right. my sister, I love my sister because she's so point blank. People think I am point blank. My sister is a dagger compared to my dull knife. I may hit people with a general consensus of a problem. I say she's got a tongue that could clip a hedge. But you know what? She gets results. When she talks to people, 
Yeah. Uh, she says things that I'm like. I wouldn't have said that. But you know what? She gets through to people. I've been at I've been at places where my sister's like, in just in random stores, like, don't touch that. You don't need that. It's gonna send you down a bad road. And this lady's like, walking to the next aisle now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, results are are given. But recognizing depression, and I speak from this wholeheartedly, someone who has suffered from it. My, I have family members that have suffered from it. I actually have people that I've known that have committed suicide. So there's a there's a strong, I, I don't know, I, I'd say it's very, uh, I'm very passionate about this. Just because a lot of people who suffer from depression, you don't know it. Yeah. Robin Williams, actually. He's, he's the one that made me second think, you know, everything about depression. And he did an interview, it was back in 2006, where someone asked him about, you know, what led him to be so funny. He was like, it's not that I'm so funny. It's that people understand who I am. And what you don't realize is the people with the biggest smiles are the ones that suffer the most. Yeah. Because you're trying just as hard to hide so you don't have to tell everybody your problems. Yeah. Oftentimes, and people don't share that. Oftentimes, it's people are are giving so much to everybody else, smile, smiling for everybody else, but they're not they're 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 paying more attention to other people than they do to themselves. Yeah, they're they're, they're really just. But everybody thinks that they're so happy and smiley, and so they don't get those in depth interactions. And that and that ends very badly, and it's so sad because there's there's a multitude, I would say, of people who are Christian, that, that that ends that way. And I can't help but think if it wasn't for... And this is why I am a firm believer, and we'll, we'll talk about this. We have a whole podcast lined up about this. Accountability partners. Yeah. This is why having Christians that you can communicate with, that's important. It's very important. It's incredibly important. But that's that's cool that you found out that, you know, Michael is, yeah, is a Christian. That is... That had to be really he said, heartfelt for you. He said he said the same thing, you know. He was like, you know, man, if you, it's good to know your friends, and if you see things that are different about them, if they start acting different, bring it up. Bring it up, confront them, and make sure that they're well cared for, because you never know. You really don't ever know, and they might they might take their life. And though it might be selfish for them to do, you're going to be the one saying, "If I had only known." And sometimes it's the little things. I'll give you a. This is. This is the uh, this is the most heartfelt example I have. My my manager Stuart, shout out to Stuart. I'll make sure he listens to this podcast. This is the coolest thing. I've never had a boss. I've been in many different fields. I've even been an owner of my own company at one point. I wasn't even this way. I'm actually kind of horrible at this. And it when when he started doing it to me, it was like one of those things that, man, you need to be better at this. Because sometimes that's all that matters. I'll give you two great examples. I was driving home one day. I didn't leave work and directly go my normal route home. I went and go pick. I went and picked up a barbecue pit. And so I didn't have a truck. So I, you know, implored one of my colleagues who had a truck. Said, "Hey, we need to pick up this pit. Let's uh, let's go grab it." So we spent you know forty five minutes grabbing the pit, getting it from Lowe's, whatever. I start back on the road, and Stuart calls me. Man never calls me outside of work. Yeah. 
And the first thing is like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? I was I was really caught off guard by his immediate, like, he was very abrupt. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm just heading home on X Road. Turn around, the road's blocked. Someone had a massive accident. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't you. Hung up right then. I didn't even get a word. He was calling every one of my colleagues that takes that route home. Making sure we weren't one of those people that was involved in this three-car pileup. And that's that says a lot. I mean, he didn't even he didn't even let me finish the sentence like click. Yeah. He was on to the next person. Like we have four people that take that route home. Yeah. He was on to the next one. Like, I don't have time. You're okay. I'm good. Yeah. Boom. Next person. When he did that, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Two seconds before, he had called my colleague right behind me. Yeah. Carrying my pit. Yeah. Because he knew he might be on that road. Yeah. I was like, wow, that, that touched me. But what touched me further was two nights ago. I'm laying in bed. It's like 11 o'clock. And Stewart's one of those people, don't touch me at 11 o'clock. I'm not available. And I respect that, you know, unless not you're just having... potentially dangerous. Yeah, I'm not available. Uh, you know, don't... And, and he doesn't want people to bother me about work stuff at 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah. I get that. Yeah. And we have a few people in the past that have done that to him. And he's like, no. So that's kind of his open. But he texts me at like 11 o'clock. I'm laying in bed, so close to falling asleep. And he's like, hey, how are you? I'm like, man, it's... Who has your phone? I'm good. How are you? He's like, oh, you just seem kind of off today. You know, you need something you need to talk about? And I was like, you know, I'm having some some stuff. You know, my my wife's having some stuff with the eggs. Just, you know, trying to put some put some stuff together. You know, I've, I've been really focused on that. And he said, okay. So if there's anything you need to talk about. He was like, I don't care what time it is. Holler at me. And I'm there. I'm like... That right there is what I'm talking about. People who actually, like, reach out. It don't matter. It's 11 o'clock. I know he was two glasses of wine in, but that was his thought. I noticed you were out. You know, you were you were kind of away from work today. What's up? Yeah. You know, and he does that to me every occasion. He'll, I'll be at work, and he'll drag me into the the next room, and it's always like, oh, what did I do? And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. nothing. He's like, I just want to make sure. You're okay. Yeah. One more example before we continue on here, but I had a friend just like that in Texas, and I did not know him very well. Oh, is it me? No. Frank <laughs> <laughs> was a good friend. He called me all the time. Um, but it was shortly after. <laughs> I don't think my, there was two or three days we didn't talk. It was shortly after my uh, uh, ex-fiance broke up with me. Man, I was down. I was so down. And I didn't tell, you know, my, <coughs> my I remember class, that. I didn't tell my classmates at school what had happened until you know, further after the fact. I don't remember how long after I told them. But anyway, I was just like, I didn't think that I looked as bad as I did. See, but, I didn't either that day. I was yeah. like, I thought I was on top of my right, game. Right, right. But it's a subtle I thing. Not this call. I got a text um, from, uh, man, I'm trying to remember his first name. His last name is Valencia. I like that. Oh, it's a cool name. But uh, anyway, he gave me a text and said, hey. I assume it wasn't one of your normals. No, absolutely. This is the first time that he'd ever texted me. That's See, that's when time. you know something's. Yeah. And I'd known him for a little while. 
Jake. It was Jake Valencia. And he said, hey, if, if you need anything, let me know. And I, I, he said, it was very subtle. And I don't think that he even said, like, I'm here for you, man. I'm, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, let's hit me up. Go get something to drink, you know, or, or let's go get something to eat or just let's talk. But he just, I think it was very simple. I think he just said, you know, hey, if you need anything, let me know. Yeah. Or, like, if you're, you know. It's funny how people and, recognize and he that. He might have hinted that, you know, you look like you're a little down today. Uh, and so... That was just like, man, that touched me real. I mean, it wow. does. I, because, like I said, the first time that he'd ever texted me, I'd never texted him. I just got his number at school and he got mine. And I learned later that he was a Christian. I was like, oh, man, you're great. And so. Well, see, that, that same day. I just, I just hope that I can do that with somebody. And see, that's what I was about to yeah. say. Like the same day, or no, it was the day after. Like Stuart had texted me, and it was very—I I didn't know how to take that at eleven o'clock. You mm-hmm. gotta—you gotta understand. I was three seconds from being out to the world. Yeah. But that—that that next day, I think I was still a little bit out of it. And my mm-hmm. my colleague Ryan, who doesn't notice subtle things, or at least I never assumed he did. Oh. And I'm walking up going to lunch because I had to go do something and I was talking to uh, my wife at the time and it was like he just like stopped me on the way out the door he's like are you okay I was like yeah I mean I'm, I'm fine what's up he goes I'm, I'm just checking you seem a little out of it I'm like am I this um, is it this obvious is it that easy to read <laughs> yeah I know what you mean and so and I don't think it was I think it was just he's picked up on my mannerisms enough to know hey he's not 100% but that's what I'm saying these that is sometimes all it takes to make the difference absolutely you know uh and just stopping you know when you when you notice somebody is is out of it that could mean the difference between going home and having a glass of wine and driving your car off a cliff and i'm i'm being i'm being very real absolutely. because it is a problem mm-hmm. and i don't think enough people Take that single moment that it would take out of your day to say, are you, I mean, Stuart doesn't get paid for that. Right, right. I love Stuart. He's a good person. He's a great manager. But I've also never had a manager that texts me and checks up on me as much as he does. And I had a conversation with him about that. And what he told me, it was so surreal. He was like, at the end of the day, I am not who I am without my team and if something's wrong with my team it needs to be something that i know about and i can do everything in my power to help with yeah and i'm like man this is this is real this is what that means to someone who now i'm not saying that i'm on the verge of driving off a cliff i'm not saying that but i'm saying the people that are at that point sometimes that's all it takes is. is one person noticing and saying I do care about you. Right. If you have something to talk about. I mean, how many times have I called you just venting? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, don't even say anything. Just listen to me scream at you for a minute and then say, just nod. Right, <laughs> right. Understand that you heard what I said. Exactly. And then if there's anything amazing you have to counter that, 
throw it at me. Which I've been told before that sometimes the best thing that you can do for a friend in trouble is to not provide any advice at all. Unless they ask for it. If they ask for advice, give it to them because I'm sure that you have it. But don't just like, you know, this is what you need to do. And maybe if he has something great to say, maybe. But oftentimes the best thing that you can do is just listen to them. Just know that they're And, and it's, it's interesting that you said that. So I have an app that sends me a motivational quote every morning oh, yeah. and every evening that's on the way cool. to work and on the way back. Yeah. So I awesome. can hit it before and hit it after. Yeah. It's quotes from everywhere. And this hit me because of all this relationship you and I have. Stuart texting me the night before I posted this. I saw this on my morning. Like I, I before I leave the door every morning, I look at my motivational quote. Yeah. What can I gain from this? What can I go? And this was the quote the morning after Stuart texted me. It takes a great man to be a good listener. Mm. Calvin Coolidge. Yeah. And I thought, man, if that couldn't have come at a more convenient time. Right. Because sometimes that's all it is. Just listening. And that was all he wanted. He literally, hey, are you okay? Talk to me. Think about Jesus when... The woman at the well. Well, I mean, even that right there, that, he kind of spawned that. Of Lazarus, though. That too. If you think about Lazarus, both of his sisters, uh, Mary Magdalene and what's the name of his other sister? I know, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm putting myself on the spot here. I actually don't know off the top of my head. I would yeah, have to go look it up. Anyway, I know. Um, they, they told Jesus ahead of time, hey, man. Your God, come on over here and save Lazarus. He's not doing so well. And then later on, hey, Jesus, Lazarus, Lazarus died. And both sisters came to Jesus and said, Master, if you had only been there, if you had only been there. And Jesus said something to Mary's sister. I forget what it was, but he came to Mary and said, you know, basically, hey, you know that I'm God, right? And they're like, yes, I believe that you're God. It's like, okay, okay. But what did he do? Did he tell them, look, I'm going to raise up your brother. Come on. I mean, I'm going to do it. And you know that there, I'm God, right? Raise him up. It'll be great. And it's just like, I think one of the sisters says, I know they'll be raised up in the last day, but Jesus, if you were only there, then we could have had him a little bit longer, right? Who said you can't have him now? And what did Jesus do? He walked over, he saw his friend, they were friends, uh, you know, he didn't see his friend, but he went to the cave that he was buried in, and he wept. He wept there with the family and with everybody else who was mourning for Lazarus. He didn't say, come on guys, I can bring him up. Isn't that the shortest version, the, yeah, the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. You know, he could have he could have made a big show of it. He could have said, like, you know, hey, everybody, watch what I'm about to do. You all there crying. I see you crying. We're going to bring this boy up. Lazarus, come on out, man. Take a bow, you know. No, 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 no. He cries. He weeps with them. He mourns. And it's not just a, it's not just like, you know, sniffle, sniffle. It's a ball. I mean, yeah, because the like, actual word that, the actual word used there is not weep. What it's we not. know, it is bawling, He's crying. bawling and crying. 
you know, he is in deep mourning. It is actually the the second, like one level away from the same word they use right. for the crying in Gethsemane when he busted the blood vessels in his head. Right. That right. is one step away from the type of crying he was doing. Yeah. And so he's mourning with them. And then what does he do? You know, obviously, he's like, all right, well, uh, we've cried our tears, but uh, hey, Lazarus. Come on out of there. And he does. And so that that morning, that crying with everybody, that shows that Jesus is not just with us when we're happy and triumphant. And he doesn't just solve our problems, you know, in five seconds. Sometimes he just sits there with us and listens to our issues and listens to our problems and just know that I am there. He doesn't say... I'm going to save you from every issue you ever had, you ever have. But what he does say is, I'm there with you. You know that I am there with you. And he weeps with us. He rejoices with us. He mourns with us. And he's a very present God. And so that's really important to remember. And so, you know, Jesus doesn't give any crazy advice or anything either. He just, you know... You know that I'm God, right? And they're like, yeah, I know that. It's like, okay, good. You know, he, he doesn't acknowledge that. He doesn't on. give them a sermon or anything. He weeps with them, and he shares in their mourning and their grief. Um, that was an incredible tangent. I don't even remember what I was going on when I started that talking about Michael. Um, but uh, we're well, talking about acknowledging Christians. Acknowledging but yeah. Christians. Okay, yeah, and I don't remember. Where in the Bible, I mean, I know where I am, but I don't know what brought that up. Well, we'll take a break We're right here. We'll break be right here. back. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. All right, we are back. Okay, so I've got my, Briggs got his computer over here, which we're podcasting on. I've got my computer over here on a rare occasion. And. So, there's lots of different places, a couple of different places where John the Baptist is mentioned. And let's see, hold on just a second. All right, so we see John the Baptist mentioned in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So I just typed in Baptist. There's probably a couple of other places where he's mentioned, but as far as John the Baptist goes, um, this is where he's mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, so Matthew 3. We were reading from Luke. Let's see. In, Mas in Matthew 3, in those Matthew. Days, Yes, Matthew. In Matthew 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. I think we already read that. Okay, so Matthew 11, 11. Let's read that. Matthew. Wait a minute. We already have pulled up. Um, 
Twenty minutes later. <laughs> are you uh, are you hitting the the blue letter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see, Matthew eleven eleven. I see. Here we go. So in Matthew eleven, I'm going to go ahead and read this chapter here. In fact, I'm going to turn to in the Bible, since I prefer reading in the bookie book, despite the fact that mostly when I read the Bible, I read it on my phone or on the computer. But since I have a Bible in front of me, I prefer I read that. On the computer and the phone just out of convenience's sake. That's why I'm not carrying the book around with me. So there's nothing wrong with that. But let's see. Okay, here we go. John the Baptist sends messages to Jesus. Now, before this, John gets put into prison. And the reason is because he said some <laughs> things about the king and his relationship with, I want to say, one of his... A woman or a concubine or something like that. And it doesn't go so well. She is very upset with John the Baptist. Wasn't it his wife? It might have been his wife. They did something. I don't remember where I thought it was the queen. Yet. I think it was. And again, I don't remember. She requested something very bold. Well, yeah. Again, I don't remember where that is. I'm trying to find it in some of the headings, but I'm not seeing it. But anyway, she's not very happy with John. The king is married to her, and so he's kind of like, ah, oh, shoot, well, I better do what she says. Not The king wasn't the best man in the world. He was a good man, but not a very good husband. Not a very good leader of his family. But anyway... He sends John to prison. And when John is in prison, that's when Jesus... So uh, try, yeah, start at uh, verse 15, chapter 3. Chapter 3, okay. 15... You can go a little further. And this is Matthew? <clears throat> Uh, no, I was. Uh, I'm, I'm still in Luke. Luke. Okay. It's in Luke, but it does mention him being in prison in verse 19 of chapter okay. 3. Nice. Okay. But now the people were in expectation. No reason in their hearts about John, whether he was Christ or not. So that's another thing. A lot of people were questioning because when Jesus came to the world, mind you, when Jesus came to the world, all the prophets. We're waiting for the Messiah to come. Right. They were. They knew that somebody was coming. They were also waiting God. for a king. Yeah, a king. Mind you, the king they got, a.k.a. Jesus, is not the one they really wanted. They were looking for a an actual, like, earthly king. Earthly king, you know. We're going to go stomp the other nations. We're going to make Israel the, the, the king of nations. We're going to... Just get rid of whatever evil rulers, and Jesus will be up there, and it'll be great. That's not what Jesus, what God had in mind, and God's will and man's will were 
not on the same page. But regardless, the prophets of God were expecting Jesus to come. Mm -hmm. And so they were always looking for him. And so when John comes, he had such a strong spirit given from God that a lot of people wondered and questioned whether he was Jesus, whether he was the Messiah that God sent. Just because he had a spirit just as strong as Elijah. And we all know how powerful Elijah was. God gave Elijah great power and did great things through him. And so they saw that in John. I wonder why. And so here it says, Now as the people were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations he preached to the people, but Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Ah, he was his brother Philip's wife. His brother Philip's wife. And for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this, above all, that he should shut up John in prison. So John's over there preaching, preaching, preaching. And he specifically says, guys, I ain't Jesus. I'm not that guy that you're looking for. One mightier than me is coming. Right. You know, and that's all he has to say. One mightier than me is coming because there's nobody more mighty than God. And the one who's coming, the Messiah, is God. And so if, if there's somebody mightier than God, that's impossible. Okay. God is not mightier than God. God is God. God is on the same level as God. And so if somebody is mightier than this guy, John, then that guy has better claim to be, I guess, God. And so anyway, it's not John is what he's saying. Uh, and so anyway, let's go a little bit further on to where are we? Matthew? Yes, Matthew 11. That's where I was. Matthew Elton. And so John is in prison, and from prison. Now it comes to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to him, Go and see, uh, go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude, multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft garments are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? 
Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And he's talking about John here. Right. Assuredly, I say to you, among these born of women, there has not been one greater than John the Baptist. But he, who is least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law <laughs> prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so, Jesus is talking again, terribly again, when he say, uh, when he says, what, 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 he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, from the days of, okay, so violence and poor father prophets of all prophets until John, and if you're willing to receive it, he is, okay, hold on, I was going to say something, but. Oh, I lost what I was going to say. That's okay. But anyway, basically Jesus is saying, yeah, John, it's me, God, I'm here. And so what's interesting is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, is in prison, and he's hearing about all the wonderful things that Jesus is doing. <laughs> right. And so when he sends messengers to go talk to Jesus, he wants to know, are you the one? Or are we waiting for another? Right. And when he says... Expectations there. Yeah. And when he says, or are we waiting for another? That's when Jesus basically tells them, you know, hey, um, everything that you are preparing my way and all that it has come to pass and you've seen it. Why are you doubting? And that's why he says, uh, let's see, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break right here. It's a we've little got, early, but yeah, we'll, we've got we'll a... take a little, bit of, a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to read from John, uh, from Matthew Henry about his take on John 11, and then we'll probably close from there. All right, we are back. We are back. <laughs> All right, so Matthew Henry has some stuff to say about this, and he wrote a lot about this. Uh, let's see, where to start, where to start, where to start, where to start. <laughs> Ah, something, something else. Oh, just a second, I will find. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Now, something that John sent this question. Ah, let's see, before that. Ah, now, John the Baptist, hearing of Christ's works, sent two of his disciples to him. And what passed between them and him, we have here an account of. Here is I. The question they had to propose to him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? This was a serious and important question. Art thou the Messiah promised, or not? Art thou the Christ? Tell us. 
<coughs> it is taken for granted that the Messiah should come. It was one of the names by which he was known to the Old Testament saints. He that cometh or shall come. References Psalms 118. Uh, now uh, he is now come, but there is another coming uh, of which we still expect. They intimate that if this be not he, they would look for another. Note, we must not be weary of looking for him that is to come, nor ever say we will not more expect uh, him till uh, him till we come to enjoy him. Though tarry, wait for him, for he that still he that shall come will come, though not in our time. They intimate likewise that if they be convinced that he uh, that this is he. They will not be skeptics. They will be satisfied and will look for no other. They therefore ask, Art thou he? John said for his part, I am not the Christ in John 1.20. Now some think that John said this question for his own satisfaction. It is true he had borne a noble testimony to Christ. He had declared him to be the Son of God, the Lamb of God, and that he should baptize with the Holy Ghost and send to God, which were great things. But he desired to be further and more fully assured that he was the Messiah that he had been so long promised and expected. Note, in matters relating to Christ and our salvation by him, it is good to be sure. Christ appeared not in that external pomp and power in which it was expected he should appear. His own disciples stumbled at this, and perhaps John did so. Christ saw something of this at the bottom of this inquiry when he said, Blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. That's bold. Basically, <clears throat> blessed is the one who doesn't question that doesn't question and understands the reason that I'm here, the true reason, and, you know, has no bias towards the true reason I'm here, uh, but submits fully to God. Note, it is hard even for good men to bear up against vulgar errors. John's doubt might arise from his own present circumstances, okay? He was a prisoner, right? And must have guarded that. But, he was a prisoner and might be tempted to think if Jesus be indeed the Messiah, whence it is that I, his friend and forerunner, am brought into this trouble, and I'm left to be so <laughs> long in it. And he never looks after me, never visits me, nor sends to me, inquires not after me, does nothing either to sweeten my imprison imprisonment or hasten my enlargement. I mean, valid questions there. If they are. If you're Jesus, if you're the one, and I'm here in prison, and you don't come after me and get me out, you're possibly the, the greatest prophet of Jesus. Are you he? <laughs> is this the one I should be looking for? Are you my cousin? Right. Doubtless, 
there was a good reason why our Lord Jesus did not go to John in prison, lest there should seem to have been a compact between them. But John construed it into a neglect, and it was perhaps a shock to his faith in Christ. Note, where there is true faith, yet there may be a mixture of unbelief. The best are not always alike strong. Troubles for Christ, especially when they continue long unrelieved, uh, are such trials of faith as sometimes prove too hard to be borne up against. The remaining unbelief of good men may sometimes, in an hour of temptation, strike at the root and call in question the most fundamental truths which were thought to be well settled. Will the Lord cast off forever? But will we hope that John's faith did not fall in this matter only he desired to have the strengthened and confirmed. Note, the best saints have need of the best helps that they can get for the strengthening of their faith and the arming of themselves against temptations to infidelity. Abraham believed and yet desired a sign. Genesis 15.6 and Genesis 15.8. So did Gideon, Judges 6.36. But others think that John sent his disciples to Christ with this question, not so much for his own satisfaction as for theirs. Observe, though he was a prisoner, they adhered to him, attended to him, and were ready to receive instructions from him. They loved him and would not leave him. Now, they were weak in knowledge and wavering in their faith and needed instruction and confirmation. And in this matter, they were somewhat prejudiced, being jealous for their master, they were jealous of our master. They were loath to acknowledge Jesus to be the Messiah because he eclipsed John and are loath to believe their own master when they think he speaks against himself and them. So that's a really good point. So first off, he gave all the reasons why John might be asking this question out of his own doubt and unbelief. Possible. Right. Possible. Especially in a moment of weakness. He's in prison. It's just like I discussed earlier. Um, but his next point is there's a good argument that they that his messengers and others that John the Baptist was, you know, the head, the leader of uh, his disciples. Right. There were others that John was possibly asking this question for their benefit, not for his own, right? Mainly because John is like Elijah. He's great. Now, look in Elijah's time, okay? Elijah's the greatest prophet in his time. What if there was somebody else that came around when Elijah was on this world that was greater than Elijah, right? There'd be some competition, wouldn't there? Okay, somebody who claimed to be greater than Elijah, you know, Elisha never had that problem because Elijah died and passed his mantle on, well, he didn't die, Elijah was whooshed up into heaven and passed his mantle straight on to Elisha, who took it from there, so they couldn't find Elijah, there was no competition there, right? Right. And so they had no doubt that Elijah was now the new big man. And so... With John the Baptist here, who is very much so like Elijah, he's got all of his disciples that 
they trust him, love him, follow him, and it's going to be difficult for them to follow somebody else because they trust their master. Elijah have been working with him for some time. Right. They love him. He's a master, okay? And so Matthew Henry's argument is that, hey, this might he might be asking this question for their benefit. Because they're not going to be wanting to go serve somebody else. Right. Or look at somebody else as a better master than their own. And so he might be saying, hey, you go ask the question. Go ask if he is indeed Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, that I'm here to pave the way for. And if he is indeed, he's your guy. So we'll continue on. Good men are apt to have their judgments blessed by their interest. Now John would have their mistake rectified and wish them to be as well satisfied as he himself was. Note, the strong ought to consider the infirmities of the weak. Interesting. John, I would consider a strong believer, right. just like Elijah. His messengers, not so much so. Yeah, ish. You know, his his followers, not so much so. You know, I don't know anything about them except that they're following John. And so, you know, he says the strong ought to consider the infirmities of the weak. You can do that by asking a question. Uh, I actually remember uh, being in class. Uh, there were several times when I would full well know the answer to the question. I didn't need an explanation. But the way that the teacher asked the question or something, I knew that if I had no knowledge of the subject, that, hey, I might not get that information from what you gave. I know the answer. I know how to find this. Right. I think it could have been explained maybe a little bit better. Or maybe just in general, the information that you gave, somebody might not understand that fully well. Or maybe it just needs to be repeated again. Right. <clears throat> and so there, there were several times in school where I knew the answer. I knew exactly how to get there. And I understood everything perfectly. But I still asked a question, you know, hey, it's a confirmation could question. Could you explain that again about this? Or maybe there was some little insight that I knew that wasn't explained yet. And I'm like, hey, this is really useful. Everybody else needs to know this too. And so I raise my point my hand and ask a question. And the teacher would obviously <clears throat> focus the question at me and answer the question to me fully. And I would be, you know, okay, great. Thank you so much. I don't know if it helped anybody else, but oftentimes I ask it for their benefit, not for mine. Right. You know. And so that might be what, you know, he is doing here. He is, I mean, pop in class, I wouldn't consider everybody else weak. Right. But maybe I know something that they don't know, and maybe it'd be better for them if that was explained to them too. And oftentimes it's better coming, yeah, coming from the teacher. Because if I explain it to them, they'll be like, "Yeah, but who are you? You're my classmate. We're we're on par, man. Same, we're peers, right?" But when the teacher explains, it's like, "Oh, this legit. Oh, okay, I get it now. Great." You know? And so, not every question asked is asked because somebody genuinely wants to know an answer. Right. Oftentimes, a question is asked for everybody else's benefit, which is why. A teacher will say... It's a confirmation question. There's no stupid so, questions. Right. You might ask a question that you think is stupid. Somebody else here might have the exact same question. In fact, 
chances are, if you have a question about something, somebody else does too. Somebody else does too. Ask it. And that might be what John is doing here. So, uh, the strong want to consider the infirmities of the weak and to do what they can to help them. And such as we cannot help ourselves, we should send those that can. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. John was all along industrious to turn over his disciples to Christ, as from the grammar school to the academy. Perhaps he foresaw his death approaching, and therefore would bring his disciples to be better acquainted with Christ, <laughs> under whose guardianship he must leave them. Note, minister's business is to direct everybody to Christ, and those who would know the certainty of the doctrine of Christ must apply themselves to him who has come to give an understanding. They who would grow in grace must be inquisitive. Here is Christ's answer to the question. Uh, and he gives a, you know, verses 4 through 6. It was not so to direct, direct and, uh, it, it, it was not so direct and express as when he said, I that speak unto thee and he, but it was a real answer, an answer in fact. Christ will have us to spell out the convincing evidences of gospel truths and to take pains in digging for knowledge. He points them to what they heard and saw which they must tell John that he might from thence take occasion the more, full, uh, to, the more fully to instruct and convince them out of their own mouths. Go tell him what you hear and see. So I'll go ahead and um, stop there. That really answers a lot of this. Now, later on, John is beheaded. Is beheaded and um, we're... We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. What's that? Oh, we're good. Okay, yeah, we're, we're good. good. We're good time-wise. We got a, we, uh, we got a we're going to go ahead and finish up here. So, John is in prison. We'll go ahead and finish up the story of John here. Uh, where? Aha, here we go. In Matthew 14. So, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. <coughs> oh, wait. No, 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 no. Wait, really? Wait. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. So, basically, this is after the fact. He had already killed John at this point. John's dead. Right. And Jesus is out preaching, which is, he's greater than John. <laughs> And has a power and a spirit much stronger than John. He's God. <laughs> and so the king is seeing Jesus going around doing, you know, Jesusing. Jesusing. <laughs> and he's like, man, I saw this before. John the Baptist did the same thing. Yeah. He came back from the dead. There he is right there. And I don't know if he's just joking and saying, like, you know, hey, this guy is just like John. Or if he's saying, did John, did I actually kill him? Is he back from the dead? I don't know. But anyway, he says, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, so his sister-in-law. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Oh! That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, mind you. So concubine, you were right. Yeah, well, Herod was not a very good king, like I said before. Honestly, I feel like he's kind of a weak king. 
But that being saying, that being said, he actually really liked John. He and John weren't buddy buddy, but he was kind of like, nah, who's this guy? He's kind of cool. I mean, honestly, I think if we knew Herod at the time, Herod being not a Christian, uh, possibly he'd be kind of a cool guy, you know, weak in spirit maybe, but you know, uh, an interesting guy to know. But he apparently was uh, trying to have intimate relations with his sister-in-law. She's not his wife. She's his brother's wife. Yeah, so, so no go. That's a no-no. That's called adultery. That's a sin. And John the Baptist called him out on it. Said, hey, that's bad. Let's see. Uh, and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Uh, mind you, this is probably her that's doing all the work here. Probably. It's probably her that wanted to be with, her, with you know, uh, Herod. You know, Herod is probably just like, you know, wow, well, living my life here, doing whatever. And then she's like, well, hey, Herod. He's like, okay. You know, she's probably the one that was initiating. Uh, and he was basically being weak and he gave in to her. And so because John said, hey, you can't do that and she can't do that, she's like, I can't do what? Say that. Say that to me. I can't Say that again. What? And so she's upset, and although he wanted, and uh, let's see, and although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So I guess he was like, I should put John to death, but people like John, he's a prophet, you know, he's one of his God's people, so I probably shouldn't do that because I don't want them to uprise. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, his daughter, the daughter of Herodias, so his niece, danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Ooh. Oof. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head <coughs> here on a platter. Yeah, man. That's evil. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother, the real grace and fear. Mind you, her daughter was obviously complicit. Right. Uh, then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat and deserted uh, to a deserted place by himself. So, that is the end of John the Baptist. And wow. so, he, he paved the way for Jesus. And he, you know, died shortly Passing before the Passing the mantle. Yeah, he died short, shortly before the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus, who is God, specifically says, there's no man on earth born of woman who is greater than John. Wow. Wow. So, uh, that's impressive. So, anyway, that's the story of John the Baptist. We've told you who he is. 
uh, people thought that he might have been Jesus, and he himself said, no, I ain't. There's one who's greater than me, whose shoelaces I am not fit to tie. That's and, bold. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a statement, you know. Um, and so, you hear me saying, um, again. I'm trying not to say it, but um. it keeps coming out. Anyway. So there you have it. That's John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, born at the same time. There's prophecies about John the Baptist in the Old Testament. He's an incredibly important person. He is so important to the New Testament because he paves the way for Christ. There are many, many prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. They're saying, a Messiah is coming. Be watching out for him. He is coming. He is coming. And he will reign. He will be king. He is God. He'll be your Messiah. He will be your Redeemer. It'll be great. There are also prophecies of John the Baptist who are coming to pave the way for this great guy. Right. You know? And so he is very, very important. And added to that, he is doing exactly what Elijah was doing. He was. Preparing the people for their God. And... Jesus, as far as we know, started his ministry when he was about 33 years old. <clears throat> right. So he was out living his life, possibly being a carpenter. He was, we don't know what he was doing. The Bible doesn't tell us. All we know <laughs> is that he was, he is God. He was doing a lot of different things. <clears throat> Some of them were being tempted by the devil and stuff like that. Right. We know that Jesus wasn't actually tempted, but the devil was tempted, trying. trying to tempt him. And he was walking an absolutely perfect life to be a perfect sacrifice before he came into his ministry. And so while Jesus spent these 33 years not not doing miracles or anything, as far as we can tell, not <laughs> starting his ministry. That's what John the Baptist was doing. He was filling in. He was being, he was paving the way. He was baptizing people. He was converting people to, to, to uh, Christ, if you will. Uh, he was. He was converting people <clears throat> to Christ. You know, before the, the New Testament, you had people that came to God, to you know Yahweh, and his people were being turned to him. And it was mainly just his people, the Israelites, you know, people descended from them. And so John was going around making sure that God's people were trusting in him, following him, being baptized in him. But what was he telling them the whole time? Hey, there's somebody greater than me coming. I am here. I'm baptizing you. I have a great spirit from God. You need to serve God. You need to trust God and have faith in God. But mind you, me. God is coming down to this world. In fact, he's here right now. And I'm just paving the way for him. He is far greater than me. And so be watching for him. And that's that incredible scene when Jesus comes down to be baptized by John. Mm -hmm. And John is like, whoa, 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 hey, you're God. I, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, 
you know. No, you baptize me. I need to be baptized. Right. You know, and you know Jesus could obviously baptize himself. He's God. He could do what he wants, right? But he has to fulfill a human life. Right. He has to be a perfect sacrifice, and we as humans cannot baptize ourselves. Okay, it's a prophet that's got to baptize us. Jesus was a prophet, yes, but he he had to live that perfect uh, Israelite life, right? Which is why he was circumcised. Also, he was circumcised. He was baptized. He he went through everything, even from an early age, going to the temple and. Preaching at I think the age of eight or twelve or something like that. <laughs> right. And so Jesus had to be baptized just like one of us would be from somebody else, right. another prophet. And that's why Jesus was baptized by John. And then we have you know the Spirit of God descending on him like you know, a dove, and this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right. Very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. So anyway, Brother John here, his life, his death, his meaning, what he's for, who he represents, and who he paved the way for, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what a man. So from there, I think that's all we've got for you today. And we'll see you next time. And Adios. Adios.